Welcome to A Problem Squared, the podcast which is not dissimilar to a delicious cup of coffee. You think it's going to solve all your problems and it doesn't, but you still come back to it time and time again because it's so relaxing and comforting. I'm joined uh, by the host of A Problem Squared, Beck Hill, the espresso of the problem-solving world. Oh, yeah. Yep, small, lots <laughs> of energy. But people don't see the preparation and pressure going on behind the scenes to produce that final result. And it is not pronounced with an X. Nice. Don't, thank you. I'm very impressed <laughs> Don't get that, that wrong. Uh, and I am Matt Parker, the overly complicated cold drip. <laughs> you know, I say that out loud. It's more insulting than I expected. And what I'm saying is... A lot of people say you can't, is all that effort and detail and, you know, unnecessary attention to detail necessary. I can't really taste the difference. And uh, thank you for joining us. That, that was an adequate intro. I lost, I, I lost faith when I called myself a cold drip. <laughs> cold drip. <laughs> so, not inaccurate, I would say. As I, I see that very much as my role here. I mean, I'm trying to think of a, a compliment to do with coffee that would up that but i don't know enough about coffee <laughs> like and you're not bitter but cold brew might be bitter i don't uh, know that's true i'm not bitter I, i'm i'm well extracted yes yeah. <laughs> 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 i don't want to show off about uh, that on this episode <laughs> i'll be running the numbers on graphene toilet paper i'm going to find out how much a book would weigh without ink and I will be dealing with the many, many of you who had opinions about my previous solution to how far you can see on Earth. Uh, let's get to it. Yeah. So, Beck, we're here in person. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you're like, this sounds slightly different, and why is Beck reacting so quickly to Matt's facial Where's expressions that? that you can't see. Where's that lag we've come to know and love? <laughs> we're in the same room together. Dear. Well, it's like episode two was the last time we were simultaneously. I know, right? And we're in 22 now. Isn't that? It's 23. No, 23. 023 this one, yeah. We, we, we went like 20, 21 episodes virtual. We, we were ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. We went virtual early 2020. Yeah. And now here we are. Wow. What a journey. Oh, my goodness. And for what? I'm getting back in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at the end of this podcast, vote on if we should send Beck back to the cupboard <laughs> or if <laughs> does it detract or enhance the podcast to have us simultaneously in the same room. All right. Get us on socials at, at a problem squared. Just say cupboard Yeah, or don't no give cupboard. any context. Cupboard or nubbard. That's what we want. Cupboard or nubbard. Yeah. Nubbard. <laughs> nubbard. That's one vote for nubbard. Do you spell that cupboard but just with an N or yeah, oh, do yeah. you get rid of the P? You know, you keep. I think you keep it. I think nubbard is <laughs> N-U-B-B-A-R-D. No, it's with the P because it's like nup. That's the... Oh, no. Of course. All that's right. the response. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. I should have known. That's the joke I just realized now. Well done. Thank I'm you. I'm impressed. So anyway, other than the highlight of hanging out with me this weekend, how's, <laughs> have, have you, how have you been? I don't know why I'm laughing when you said highlight. <laughs> Uh, I've been good. Been good. I've been good. So uh, since the last episode, Makeaway Takeaway aired. You're now officially a TV star. Yeah, and and uh, thanks to everyone who's commented on it or uh, it's said good. It's really fun. I didn't I didn't mean to say that with a tone of surprise, but like it's children's TV. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll probably like it because Beck's in there. Yeah, it's 
interesting how many people have said that, like, I'm not surprised it's good for kids, but they're surprised that it's quite watchable for adults. Yeah. I don't know how much I need to to make it clear that the stuff that I do, I very much do as if it was for me and then make it child appropriate. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen you do both adult, like, stand-up sets and your kid stuff. Yeah. It's not not dissimilar. Well, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> if you like my stand-up or anything that I do aimed at adults, you're going to like the I stuff mean, The secret I is Beck is always 100% Beck. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. A, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And... I remember someone said to me when I announced that it was coming out, uh, oh, I, you know, they were like, oh, well done, congratulations. I mean, I won't be watching because I'm, I'm too old for it. And all I could think was, oh, Aww. like how, like what a sad thing to say is that you're too old. I've aged out of your. For a kid, like I think you can be too young for something because mentally you're not prepared for stuff. Yeah. If it's to watch or read something. You're to this never day, too old. If someone just shakes car keys, I'm like, I'm fascinated. Yeah, you that's, know, that's... Shining movie things, still, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, that's how I uh, got you into the office. It was. We, because um, we, uh, Lucy and I, I was like, oh, Beck shows out. And so we, we brought it up on the ITV hub player thing. Yeah. It also airs on CITV. And we did that thing where we're like, oh, we'll have a quick skip through and just see what this show's like and so we, we watched a few bits of episode three but that came to a natural conclusion and i went like off into the kitchen to get something and i came back and lucy's just still there happily watching away yeah like, you're still watching back and she's like no this is great yeah it's and really uh she was engrossed it crams a lot in even i'm surprised it was it was better paced than i expected from a children's tv show yeah no well thank okay. you yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was impressed Oh, good. I'm glad. Thank you. Um, I really you don't need my it. approval, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm hoping we get a second season. That That'd would be, be delightful. A couple of other things. Oh, I, I did. I've been uh, doing Animator Z. Oh, which yes. Which is the um, anime. If anyone podcast. listening, it's not competing. You can listen to you're both. Doing another podcast. I, have you seen how many podcasts I'm subscribed oh, yeah. to? <laughs> I've lost track of how many of you compete. do, let alone <laughs> <laughs> listen to. <laughs> But if anyone, if anyone uh, uh, listening likes anime or is, is wanting to get into one, we've just started Vinland Saga, watching one episode at a time oh. and doing deep dives. And Vinland Saga is set in, well, Viking times. Yep. We've been doing like deep dives on Vikings and stuff. So we've been talking to archaeologists and historians and Ooh. all sorts. Yeah, what about you? What have you been up to this last month? I had my protractor confiscated. <laughs> You know, because we've been catching up all weekend, right? Yeah. And I'm like, there's something I'm like, I cannot tell Beck that I had my protractor confiscated because I want to save that yeah. as a thing for the podcast. Yeah. Security took my protractor because they said it could be used as a weapon. Uh, security where? At, at the Shard. Okay. So the Shard is a very tall building in London for people yeah. who are unfamiliar. It's the tallest building. Mm -hmm. In London. Oh, Matt, how far could you see from there? Well, so, well so, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Okay, let's not skip ahead. Um, <laughs> and I was going to go up the Shard. And I brought a protractor I with me. I don't know why that sounds like such a funny... I know, I know. Um, so I was going up the Shard mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. security's like, whoa, what are you doing? Uh, like, you can't take that protractor with you. It could be used as a weapon. And uh, I was there with Hannah Fry, mm -hmm. Matt, also another mass communicator. She had an inclinometer with her, like a um, spirit level that measures angles. And oh. they also confiscated that. Wow. We were doing a thing where you can calculate how big the earth is by measuring the angle to the horizon from the top of a tall building. 
Oh, so this was a little bit of how it's, far it can varies. you see? It's, it's, it's exactly how far can you see. Yeah. But using that experimentally to work out the radius of the earth, okay. which was done uh, like a thousand years ago. People were doing this. We're going up the chart. Yeah, going up the chart. <laughs> um, uh, the protractor, what did they though, use thousands of years ago before they had tall buildings, Matt? <laughs> I can't think of any other way to be elevated <laughs> above the ground than to go up a very tall building. Uh, so who knows? I assume they were just floating. <laughs> so they were just—you know—they you know, did the, have magic and stuff. Back yeah, well, you know, days. you know the classic two kids in a trench coat routine. Yeah, just just that. Yeah, but but four or five people. Yeah. And, and no a trench really coat. long trench coat. Yeah, <laughs> no, no trench coat. This oh. is before trench coats were invented. Okay. One guy at the top with an astrolabe measuring the angle to the horizon. Mm -hmm. So I And I was particularly emotional because I had handcrafted this protractor. This was not like some off-the-shelf, I just went and bought. Oh, you whittled it? I, you, that is so close to being true. <laughs> Would you like to see it? Oh, you got it back then. It's over there. So uh, describe it for the listeners. It is a, a large Let piece of perspex. Oh, yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, it's big enough to use as a small corner desk. We'll post a photo of it. We'll post photos on yeah. socials, yeah. Instagram and Twitter. It's also got a plumb line on Patreon. it. So when I move it around. We can it, see your plumb. You can see my, my plumb is just dangling <laughs> at the bottom of the <laughs> protractor. <laughs> can see why they come from Yeah, they're like, sir, your plum is showing. <laughs> I really uh, wish we weren't in person God now. I don't want to see yeah, this. this. <laughs> uh, uh, so, <laughs> so anyway, yes, yeah, so I made this, but I had to go through and, and individually notch equidistant little uh, degree markings all the way around this I very would, accurately. I would argue the thing that can make it be useful as a weapon yep. is that the weight that you've used, it looks like a large, heavy, it looks like a pencil. Heavy pencil. Yeah. yeah, And it's on the end of a string. Well, you want to know. Which if is, you whipped that around your head, like. That would be a weapon. You've it's basically like a mace. got a small mace. Yeah. 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 But the thing is that wasn't even on there. Like I had taken this off. Oh. For portability. And it was just the perspex. Oh. Chunk that they objected That's to. That's Matt knocking on the perspex, by the way, not the security on the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you got plums in there. Um, so, um, they wouldn't let you take a large, large angular piece bit of, of what looks like glass. Well, it's clearly like That's plastic. Matt knocking on it again. Oh, yeah. no, that is the security. Yes, here he <laughs> yes, is. Yes. He's got his plum out. <laughs> and and when, when they confiscated this, I was like, do you want the plum as well? And then they, they're like, yep, all right. But they didn't actually care about the weight. Ah. It was this. That was my month. I made a protractor and mm. had it confiscated by security. Have you ever had anything else weird confiscated by security? I once had to get my Rubik's Cube put through a x-ray machine. To make sure you weren't hiding any. To make sure I wasn't hiding. Literally to make sure there's no contraband in it. Wow. Because I was doing maths sessions in a jail. Yeah, yeah. We don't want uh, Andy Dufresne's yeah. spooning their way out of a wall. Yeah, with a Rubik's Cube. Hello, lovely A Problem Squared listeners. This is Beck. And this is Matt. And before we jump into this episode, we just wanted to say we're aware that not everyone can be a Patreon supporter. And that angers us. No, it does not. No, sorry. The other um, one. The other one. That's fine. It's fine. That's fine. It's, it's fine. We totally fine. 
But in order for Matt and I to be able to sustain this podcast, yep. we will at some point need some form of income. <laughs> <laughs> We're fussy like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's mainly so we can choose it over the other things. Is, so is, that we oh, yeah, have yeah, time exactly. to do yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. So uh, here's the deal. If you would love to be a Patreon supporter, but can't, but for whatever reason. Which is fine. Which is totally fine. We're disappointed. No, we're not. We're not. We're not. Sorry, the Stop other one. Stop trying to the guilt people, Matt. We're not disappointed. We understand. <laughs> if you could uh, pause this podcast for one moment and tell someone about it, it can either be a direct message to someone that you know who would a, like a person, like yeah. you were listening to this and you thought I should tell that person. Yeah, yeah. Because this thing made me think of them. Absolutely, someone is listening to this who previously listened to an episode and went, "Oh, blah blah," would love that. And then you thought you would tell your friend and you never did, did you? You haven't. And now we are disappointed. Yeah. So go do that now. And angry. Or you were not that angry. No, I am. Matt is actually I'm furious. Irate. He's turning bright red. This is, this is as angry as I get. Steam's coming out of his ears, everything. And if you don't want that to happen, tell someone. Uh, you could, or you could tell I'm your following. I'm also disappointed. If you're on social media. I'm. Your friends and family. Angry. Matt, Matt's just going to keep going on about his feelings, <laughs> which is fine. You can put an end to this. <laughs> um, or leave a review on a thing or engage with an algorithm or just enjoy the podcast. That's fine. You can do that as well. But uh, yeah, that would be really helpful. And then hey. we can keep doing this for you. That, that's the deal. I'll keep my danger bottled up. Keep your danger. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave you danging. <laughs> Don't leave me dangering. <laughs> and now you can listen to the rest of the podcast. All right, let's answer some problems. This first problem comes from David from Greensboro. Borrow. Borrow. How it's been spelt. And it says, if you rolled up graphene into a roll the size of a toilet paper roll, how long would it be? So if you had a toilet paper's roll worth of graphene. Yeah. And it says the size of a toilet paper roll. So I'm assuming when David says that, they mean the size of like a full proper roll of toilet paper, not just yep. the cardboard tube yeah I, I, yeah I assumed it was the paper on the tube mm. which just right out of the gates uh, there's some variation in this i've gone with the 12 centimeter roll of paper mm. with a four centimeter tube down the center so yep. you've kind of got you got your um cylinder of paper yeah i guess you can put it that way and graphene which i've only just realized yep. that if you say a roll of toilet paper yep you're talking about the toilet paper that is on the roll on the roll yep yep a toilet paper roll is technically the tube Oh. Toilet paper is the stuff that's on the tube. On the roll. On the roll. So the roll is the cardboard That's how center. I would is that how you would say? Oh, really? But I suppose, I guess the roll is a verb, isn't it? it you is roll it. It's rolling rolled it. around the tube. Yeah. And here in the UK, they did the bog roll. Yeah. Roll I'm, is the noun. I've taken this off on a tangent very early. No, that's very true. No, okay, okay. And uh, so <laughs> graphene, the wonder substance. Yes, explain graphene. I know vaguely. What would you say is graphene? I would say it's a very fine mesh. Correct. I mean, that, that works for me. It's basically a single layer of atoms. So it's That is much atoms. more specific than I thought. Yeah, well, it, it, this is why it's the wonder material. People have been trying to make it for a very long time, and they cracked it at uh, University of Manchester. And it's basically a substance which is one atom thick. Wow. So you cannot get anything thinner than one layer of atoms. Wow. That's the, the one step up from nothing. It's thinner from than a zero hair. zero atoms. Thinner than a hair. It's thinner than a human hair. It's a fraction of a human hair. And so it's You wouldn't be thin. able to see it, would you? No, nah, can't see it. 
What if there's graphene in this room? It could be here. It could be all around us. Wow. And it is, is God graphene. Yeah. I knew it. So uh, <laughs> it, it's amazing because it's incredibly strong for its size. It's like a hundred times stronger than steel. This is an example analogy uh, yeah. for its mass. Right. So it's right. only an atom thick. You could break it. Yeah. But it's got a million applications, none of which I think have actually come to market. But it's this amazing wonder substance because it's just a hexagonal grid of carbon atoms. Mm -hmm. And they're all hanging on to the three carbon atoms nearby. And you get this Aww. hexagonal. Yeah, it, exactly. It's analogy Thanks. for teamwork and super thin. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. the first thing I had to do was find out how thick graphene is because then i can work out yeah how thick is an atom how far how thick is an well the thing is it's not just how thick is an atom because when you start putting atoms together they do weird quantum -y interaction things right so the thickness of graphene and particularly in this case we're going to stack graphene and so the layers are interacting at like a, an atomic level as they're being stacked on top of each other. And so I initially just thought, piece of cake, I will Google what is the thickness of graphene, I will get the answer, <laughs> and I'm away. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no agreed answer. So eventually I found a, a, a scientific paper. This was published, uh, the Institute of Physics put this out, and it's literally called Accurate Thickness Measurement of Graphene. Oh, okay, yeah. And I was like, here it is. This There's is your answer? The answer on the plate. For free, you can read the abstract. Okay. And the abstract is this bit at the top here, this opening paragraph, which does not contain the answer oh. for how thick is oh. graphene. Yeah, it's the trailer. The free sample, the trailer, mm. doesn't. Get, they tell you other ones are terrible and they give the range. They're like other measurements are between 0.4 and 1.7 nanometers. What is a nanometer if you were to compare it to, say, a millimeter? A millionth. Whoa. So a millimeter. That's a tiny ruler. So a millimeter is one thousandth of a meter. Mm -hmm. A nanometer is a billionth of a meter. Oh my gosh. It's tiny, absolutely small. Yeah. And so they're saying it's that around is there. Not getting rid of any poop. No. And we haven't even decided if this is single ply. So this paper's like, look, everyone else is is not doing a good job at measuring this stuff. It's too big a range. We need to know. Now, to, to read the paper, I basically emailed my wife, who's mm -hmm. a real physicist, yeah. and said, can you send me a copy of this paper? I was present. I know. You were there. She you was were there. in the room. I literally, I, Lucy, you I've emailed you. You were like, this is you. business. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we separate business from mm. pleasure. And I'm like, if it's email, business. I'm like, hey. Mm. I started, dear Professor Green. Nice. I was wondering if you could download this paper for me and send it over. And I saw her roll her eyes when she read, no, no. <laughs> noun or verb? She went, ugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so in their conclusions, they say the measured height of a sheet of graphene was found to vary depending on the force used to measure it. So what they discovered is if you measure it, you squash it. So the act of <laughs> classic physics, the act of measuring changes it. Is that like if you were to say that you were measuring my height and you yep. put your hand on top of my head, and but that pushes me down. You. Yeah, exactly. Literally so that. So you're yeah. making me yeah. less. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm like, I'm going to measure how big this roll of toilet paper is, but then like just crush it. Yeah. And then measure it. Mm -hmm. And that's, is that accurate or not? And they, they found also in the conclusions, they say, if you apply a lot of force, you get 
close to the theoretical minimum, which is just the size of an atom. So, yeah. so basically they're saying if you really, really squash this stuff down, you're getting down to just a carbon atom. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, uh, almost grudgingly, I would say, do give a value of about 0.43 nanometers, uh, give or take. So I've taken it to be roughly half a nanometer. Mm-hmm. So single ply graphene toilet paper. Now the next issue is how do you work out like how long is it? Because you can work out how many laps. That's easy. You take mm. the big radius, like the whole toilet paper roll. You subtract the small radius, which is the empty bit in the middle. Yeah. You've got the difference between them. You divide that by the thickness of the paper and you get how many laps, right? That's, yeah. that's a piece of cake. But now the question is, oh, yeah. how long is it? So you've got to work out how, because it'll get longer each time, every yep. time it does a lap. Yeah. Each lap is bigger oh than goodness. the previous one. Oh, my goodness. This is a... This is an insane question. Yeah. So now there's two ways you can deal with this now. You can either assume it's an Archimedean spiral or you can just assume it's a bunch of circles. An Archimedean spiral is a spiral where it doesn't get bigger as you spiral out. So the it classic doesn't. Yeah, so the classic spiral you get bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. That's what you get when you wrap like rope or something around. It's spiraling out, but it's not getting thicker as you go. So the toilet paper is is technically one continuous spiral coming out. I don't understand. It is getting bigger though. What are you talking about? But the rope isn't getting thicker. No. So a lot but of you're using more. Yes, you're using more each lap. What? You, Hang on. Excuse me. At what point do you wrap something around, and as you go around, the thing gets bigger? Like if you're looking at the spiral in like a uh, like a snail, snail shell? shell, or if you're moving in a spiral action, the distance between the laps of the spiral tend to get bigger as you go. Yeah, it's like a Fibonacci. Like a Fibonacci thing. Yeah. What's happened here is mathematicians have come up with ways to describe things that are otherwise super obvious. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For me, I'm like, oh, but it's this particular type of spiral where the thickness doesn't change, and you're like. You mean it's just exactly what most you expect? Th- it's, most like, it's like it's like everything you've ever with. exactly yeah 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 yeah. yeah. So I, I've gotten unduly excited about something that's super obvious. And is that named after Archimedes? Archimedes, yes. Oh, the bath guy. The bath guy. Mm. He, he may have said Eureka when he. I know. Everyone I know else around him is like, "Why are you saying that? It's super obvious. That's just what happens when you wind something up." <laughs> yes. He's like, yeah, "But I gave it a name." <laughs> Mathematicians <laughs> are gonna be amazed for millennia. So I um didn't assume it was a spiral. I decided that was too hard. Mm. I've assumed it's just lots of concentric circles. So there's like a circle that's this big, and then there's a circle that's that big. It's bigger around and then it. One that's but bigger. that's not how it works. You're describing if you did a cross section of a, a Russian doll. Yeah. The but babushka. that's not how toilet paper works. No, yeah. So I've 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 approximated it as concentric circles because I think that's close enough. Within the tolerances of my estimation. If anyone wants to redo this calculation as a spiral using a 12 centimeter diameter, four centimeter hole through the middle, half a nanometer width paper. I ran the numbers on, uh, and then I rounded the answer, to be honest. So frankly. And we can see whether your answer and their answer is that much different. Mine came out at uh, 20 million meters. That's a lot of meters. A lot of meters, 20,000 kilometers. It is halfway around the earth. And you didn't think to go double ply? If I went double ply, you, you get quarter of the way around the earth. Yeah. So double, if you had a roll of double ply graphene toilet paper mm. and you started unrolling it at the North Pole, yeah, it would make it to the equator pretty much exactly. Wow. Because the earth is 40 million meters around. Mm-hmm. Like by definition, a meter is one ten millionth 
of the distance from the pole to the equator. It was the original definition of a meter. Whoa! And so a double-ply roll of toilet paper is 10 million meters. And so we could have defined the meter as one ten millionth of a roll of graphene toilet paper. Oh, my goodness. Because it's the same distance as the distance, double-ply, same distance as the distance from the North Pole to the equator. So there you are. Huh. And then the next question is, how many times do we need to fold it for it to be efficient to wipe your butt with? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the strength would be. I don't want my finger going through that. I didn't look up the ratio of strength from toilet paper to graphing. Mm. It'd be pretty thin. I reckon it might be, I don't know, if it'd be, would it be visible? I think it'd be visible. Would it be like I wiping mean, it will with eventually, the, with, with like, won't it? Well, it would be eventually. But initially, it's like you got in, invisible toilet paper. That's disturbing. Yeah, I wouldn't trust that. No. How would you know? How would you know? Yeah. Until it's too late, you wouldn't. No. Nah, no deal. Terrible idea. But anyway, there you go. And if you had two single roll um, lengths of graphene toilet paper, you could do the whole way around. You could TP the world. Yeah. That's uh, the ultimate prank. One of Archimedes' famous sayings. Give me two rolls of graphene toilet paper and a place to stand and I will TP the world. He did say that. Yeah, I think it was him. That was that was uh, on a T-shirt I saw at the market. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I I think I'm gonna give that a tentative ding. Tentative ding. Because I wanna I wanna know if anyone gets the same or roughly the same with their other calculation. Okay. Or David from Greensboro. Greensboro. Let me know. We have a problem in from Patreon supporter Samson, who says. My brother told me that every time he reads a paper book, he wonders how much the book would weigh without any ink. They also say, if you had a totally, in their words, totally useless representation of a book, how many pages could you save by just printing the ink without any gaps? Right, so, so just block pages. Block pages. So take, the, take all the ink of the book and then just move it all to the front. <laughs> so all you're doing is just... Uh, fully black page, black page, black page, and yep. then just whites, all the white spaces at the end. Yeah. So you've sorted the book by ink. And then you get rid of all the white pages. Yeah, you don't need them anymore. But you obviously you keep the ones that you printed nothing but ink on, just yep. like block ink. Very uh, artistic. Uh, yeah, exactly. And technically, same book. <laughs> just all I the guess. ink moved to the front. So there you are. That's what a, yet another practical everyday life <laughs> problem. <laughs> Yeah. One of our listeners has sent in. Well, I was excited about this problem because yeah. my first ever book, Horror Heights, The Slime, is being released uh, the same time as this podcast, really? actually. Yeah. Wow. So if you're listening to this on September 30th. Was that a coincidence or did you say put it out the I same was day like, as the wait until a problem squared, please. So I was excited about this question because the publishers let me go to the printing. I was so press. envious. Yeah. So yeah. I got to see the factory. You got to see your own book being printed. It was so awesome, Matt. Oh, that was so cool. It was so, so cool. And there's this really cool moment when the cover is being glued on and all the pages are sort of being glued together and held together. That does sound like the highlight of the book printing. It is process. the highlight. It's yep. really cool. When pages uh, meet cover. 
it goes onto a conveyor belt and then it sort of gets like, you know how when you imagine a factory and you yeah. imagine all the stuff being like whizzing around, around on conveyor belts and assembly yeah. lines. It's yeah. exactly that. Oh. Like it is exactly that. They're like, look out, here comes the new addition and you're duck and it, another it's, row of them comes flying down a It's not dissimilar. No, not a flying fox. They're oh. sitting on the, they're lying on the conveyor belt. But I found out that the reason that they, because they go on the conveyor belt and then they go all the way around and then they like come back to pretty much where they oh. were for the next step next of the step. process. Yep. And it turns out that the reason they do that is so the glue can dry. Oh, it's like a holding pattern. <laughs> yeah, rather than it just sitting there, they give it a little tour of the factory first. <laughs> just, which, as you can testify, good fun. Good factory. Yeah, Great I tour. would do it. I yeah. would go on the conveyor belt. The other thing is, is that the books get printed. There's actually uh, two in a long thing, and I'll, I'll put photos up with this as well. On yeah, the well, you showed me. You had like the um, you stole a book from each stage of the printing process. I didn't. I was given them, Matthew. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so in pairs before they've been guillotined. Yes, yeah, so and then apart, they whip around. They zip whip around, around the whole factory and then <laughs> cut books. Yeah, you get to see your own book being printed. That is amazing. It was awesome, and the way that they print. Larger batches. So with with batches of 5,000 or less, mm-hmm. they do have these massive digital printers now where it works like a huge version of the way that you would at Print home anything else. in that you send the file directly to the printer and then it works out what to do. The way that the uh, larger batches get printed, yep. which is uh, 5,000 or more. More, that's the technical one. Thank for, you. Yep. There's still a version of the way they did it in the sort of early stages of movable type. You're not quite movable type, not like little <laughs> clickety clack things that you put together. Oh, not some guy like twisting a press. You know, not, but it's sort of a version of that. So oh. what they do is they make these big aluminium plates and then they put a large proportion of pages. Oh, they etch all the pages in one big plate. They etch all the That's pages. It's like immo- immovable type. Yeah, this yeah. So like they've the skipped thing. the moving around the little click, clickety clack. They just etch them stampy in. things. They etch them in, wow. and then they go through a roller where the ink is applied to them. Yep. And the ink is like a mix of oil and water, and the oil sticks to the bit that's etched. I was going to say rough, but there's something. The surface is different, so the oil sticks to it. Yes. And the water's like, forget that. I'll be over here in the white space. Exactly. Exactly that. So then it gets transferred onto some paper, then transferred again. Oh. Because that would bleed really quickly. Yep. Yeah, like blotting. Oh. <laughs> but it does mean, obviously, that you don't get a transfer of all of the ink onto the mm. page. I haven't taken that into my calculations. I know it would affect it, but we're Ooh, that's interesting. doing yeah. what we can. Yeah. And it's different book to, I mean, for my books, I use a specific photographer for the photos in my books. Because they will process the images in such a way to compensate for the way the ink is absorbed into the paper. Yeah, right. So the whole interaction between ink and paper is non-trivial and needs to be factored in to these processes. That's why often in books where there are photos, the paper type will suddenly change. Yeah. Yeah. My publishers don't spend that much money on my books. (laughs) It's cheap paper the whole way through. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I actually spoke to Beth and Ollie from Clay's Printing, who were the spokespeople, and uh, I asked them the question that Samson posed, and this is the response. It's 
really hard to give a definitive amount because each book is individual. Each mm. book will have a different content and it's the content that will determine how much ink is used. So basically we looked at the text data that was supplied and we could see how much of the text was comprised of images, how much was writing, because obviously if you're using text it's 100% solid ink you go through and depending on how many pages you've got, if you've got chapter breaks, if you're putting a blank page in after a chapter, or but when you've got images for instance they could be comprised of tints, so you could have some part of that image that's only at like 40% ink density and then others that are at 70. So all that sort of stuff could vary the result and the amount of ink is needed. So just by looking at that and the amount of images, we could give a really rough estimate. And it is really rough <laughs> because there's the printing process here, there's big reels, it's not like little packs of ink, it's, it's big, yeah. big amount it's of ink. It's literally piped in, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, like... <laughs> so there's lots of ink. So kind of work out 15 to 20 kilos maybe? For the, for the whole print run. For the then, whole print run. And then per yeah. book, we're looking at roughly 11.2 grams. Very specific. I said roughly, and then very, yeah. very specific answer. So. Yeah. That was the answer. Not quite. Well. That is the weight of ink per book, but they want to know how much the book would weigh without the ink. My, uh, mass minus 11.2. Exactly. So I managed to find the weight of the books. Excellent. So each individual book is 157.3 grams. Right. So Matt. You do the maths for me. I've Take subtracted 11.2. It's 146.1 grams. There you go. 146.1 grams is how much specifically my book would weigh without ink. And actually, you know what? 11.2 divided by the original mass, 157.3, uh, about 7%. About 7%. There the you go. The mass of the book is the ink. Hmm. And obviously, it's going to vary book to book. Absolutely. But I could not find that out. Horror Heights by Beck Hill out yes. September today. 30. Yes, yep. today. If you're listening to this on the date of release of the podcast. 7.12% ink. Yeah. What you're getting for your money. That's the bit you're paying for, really, the ink. Arguably, yes. Arguably, yeah. 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 Which brings us on to the second part of the question. Oh, yeah. How many pages would that be if it was block printed? And I went to you for help with this. Because I was like, ooh, that's going to need harder maths. Well, the printing people were no help. I mean, to be fair, they, they print a lot of different books. Yeah. And they don't care about the area of the print, just the amount of it. Yeah, this is yeah. not a thing that they have to work out. So why spend no, time on no, it? No, no, no. New question for them. So, but you thankfully had your book in PDF form. Yes. So I wrote a bit of Python code to take all 176 pages. Mm-hmm. And the, the PDF you gave me is like the full print bit, but I cropped it down. I'm like the digital version of that machine. Yeah, in, you are. In the printing press. Yeah. I cropped it down to just the bit that's in the finished book. And then I wrote a bit of software to look at every single pixel in the PDF and see if it was pure white. So it's nothing being printed or yep. if it wasn't white, something was being printed there. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went through and, and summed them all up. <laughs> Which is incredible. And I, I can, was just going to guess. Well, I've got a page by page breakdown. Do you want to know the most colored in and the least colored in pages? I think I know which are the most colored in ones. Okay. What do you, do you have numbers? The most, yeah. Okay. What do you right. reckon is the most colored in? I would say that the most colored in. For reference, Beck is flicking through My a own. copy of her own book. Yeah. Can I tell you one thing I did do? 
No. Occasionally, I'll tell you two then. Occasionally, there are greys mm-hmm. where it would use half as much ink. I have pulled all that ink together. Oh, nice. So if there's two half bits of grey, I just put them together to be a solid. That makes sense. Printing, yeah. I'm going to say page 167. Correct. Yes, because that is the very last page before the acknowledgements. Well, not the very last. It's the second to last page before the acknowledgements. And it is pure black, which is very handy. 85.47%. Oh, I'm sorry. Black. (laughs) Just, you know, roughly. And I'm going to guess that that is to do with the CMYK values. Actually, they were pretty, well, I had to convert it to RGB. So yeah. I've just got... Which is not the same. Not the same. But once it's... Because they're all greys. Once they're converted into red, green, blue, it's just the same value for all of them. So I just took the, the red value each time as a measure of how coloured in it is yeah. as a percentage of 255, mm-hmm. which is the scale. However, the crop marks, there's like an inner and outer crop mark. So the crop will be somewhere between the two. Mm-hmm. I've split the difference. And I think... For some pages, like in the very middle where the spine of the book is, there's a little, even if it's meant to be pure black, often it doesn't print all the way in. So I, I've i done the amount of ink put down. And so I think in the in the very center of like a two-page spread, you, the bit you can't see that's glued, yeah. I'm still including that, which is why maybe you're not getting 100% for some of these. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because they don't need to print that. They're no. going up together. Ah, exactly. Uh, and do you want to know the page with the least ink on it? Oh, all right. This is a good one. If you pick one, I'll be able to tell you where it ranks. I'm going to say 104. 104? Hmm. Okay. Page 104 is the sixth most blank page in the book. Oh, my gosh. That is good. Wow. For just flicking through it. That is impressive, Beck. Thank you. And you're still going. You still want to beat your record. No, I'm now looking. What about 15? Where does that come? Uh, 15... Ninth. Oh my gosh, that's You're going worse. the wrong way. Fourteen is better than fifteen, according to my numbers here. Really? Oh, uh, it looks like more writing out? to me, but no, no, I think you're right. I mean, I, I trust your maths. Maybe there's more, more gaps. Than... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did a few checks. Like, I never trust my code completely. So I, I verified it, and but, I'm reasonably confident. Yeah. Uh, no, what's the what's the least? The page with the least ink, uh, thirty-two. Oh yeah, there's not pretty, pretty blank. It's it's a page with dialogue on it. Yeah. So there's and a the, lot of gaps. Not big uh, paragraphs or anything. It's well, it's not blank. It's just there's a lot of. Uh, oh no! It's um, still two point one percent ink. It's what? Two point one percent. Wow, yeah. that's so small. And if you add them all together, yeah. Move all the ink to the front. Yep. Twenty four point two two pages. Wow. Yeah. And that is twenty four out of one hundred and sixty eight. Yep. Oh, one hundred and seventy six. Because you got some pages before the numbers start. Your <gasps> book starts on page negative seven. <laughs> And then counts forward. Because page one is a fair way in, right? Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. There's a note from the author. I know what's going That's on there. That's on a blank blah, page. Blah, 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 right? And so the 176 actual pages, at least in the, the print file you sent me. Hmm. So the average is actually quite high. The average amount per page is 13.8% of a page. Hmm. Which I feel like is a lot. But that's because you've got loads of pages with lots of slime on them. Yeah, yeah. And I, in fact, I've... Uh, I've done that thing where, you know, when you're watching a TV show and it will be like London and it like has a quick 
heading. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, bum, bum, right in your face. You've written bum, bum in journalism. I've written bum, bum. No, yeah. I've written uh, day, days, though. So it starts on Friday, and it's just a pure black page with Friday oh, yeah. written yeah. on it oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. white. And, yeah, and actually, this is interesting. It's a good example of why the mean is often not a good average because it can be dragged up by a few very big values. So if you just looked at the average of 13.8%, you're like, wow, that's a lot per page. But actually, it's just the all-black pages dragging it up. Yeah, yeah. The median... So the, the the if you if you reordered your book to be an ink order, mm. the middle page would have four point three percent ink. I mean, it feels like not much writing to me. Yeah, you, you should if put you, some more if I, effort. If I was more like, words. I've done a bunch of writing, I've covered this page in four percent writing. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> I think you've helped with that. And of course, if anyone has any questions about the printing process, I'm going to chuck up a video that'll come up around the same time as this podcast I on mean, my YouTube channel and I'll uh, explain. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you got loads more footage of the factory and everything else. Yeah, yeah, it's real fun. But given you went to the actual factory, because you asked to go and see it get printed to answer this question. Yeah. And you did the video. Yeah. And I've analyzed the percentage of ink on every single page in the book. I don't think we've ever dinged a question this hard. Oh, yeah, it is this specific. Samson, if you don't give this a ding. Oh, my goodness. I'll ding you. Yeah. <laughs> We want more than a 13.8% ding. We want <laughs> solid ding. Solid ding. Margin to margin. <laughs> Finally, as always, we have some time for any other AOB business that we haven't covered so far. And I don't think we've got anything this time. I think um, <laughs> the last episode was without correction. Yeah. So, yeah. Other than the many, many people who were dissatisfied with my how far can you see answer. And by the way, thank you to the people who congratulated me on bringing up the question of why didn't you include mountains? Mountains, yeah. I didn't include mountains. Didn't include mountains. And people were very upset. Yeah. Which I guess is fair enough. Arguably with the surname Hill, I am going to be thinking of topography. Yeah. But for someone who did an entire video and problem about topography and how it would change the... the, surface area and, yeah. and nature. The problem is, as a mathematician, I just assume that the Earth is perfectly spherical. And that's <laughs> that's the, the source of many of my problems in life, <laughs> including forgetting about mountains. Um, I, I Okay, you know what? I was going to continue to stand by my policy of just looking at buildings. Yeah. Because it's how far humans can see. But you're right, you can go up mountains. And, and I, was, I was like, well, I need examples of people oh, yeah. saying that mountains are superior. Because I think mountains, the trouble is, how you, like other mountains are going to get in the way of trying to see a long way if you're on a mountain. Yeah, and but so, arguably that also helps you to see further away. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. So anyway, people <laughs> then did very kindly send in a lot of other suggestions. Yeah. So I apologize. I'm not going to name check everyone because there were so many people. So many. And in fact... Since we recorded that, yep. I remembered that when I was in Sicily in Mazzarino, yep. which is like, you know, sort of south, sort of central south, I could see Mount Etna from there on a clear day. And as the crow flies, that was about 86 kilometers, which I know that you were talking more about we were 100, over 100 kilometers. Yeah, yeah, but still. But that, you're right. Yeah. No, I agree, Beck. It was as much your fault as it was mine. So <laughs> um, our uh, eagle eyed listeners. Uh, someone suggested Tenerife. 
which is uh, the highest peak of Tenerife, is 3,715 metres above sea level. And they say the other highest peak of Gran Canaria mm. is just shy of 2,000 metres above sea level. And they reckon uh, you can see peak to peak and it's over 100 kilometres apart. Mm. It's a great suggestion. Someone else said, um, oh, goodness, how would you pronounce that? The tallest mountain in Colombia. Pico Cristobal. Okay, that works. And they reckon Colon. you could Colon. see the ocean from that. And it's over 5,000 meters tall. And if you can see to the horizon, actually, you know what? I will put that the height of that peak in Colombia into my spreadsheet from last time. And it will tell us how far you can see. Okay, so from the top of that, you'd be able to see, if you could see the horizon on the ocean, it would be 270 kilometers away. That's a lot of kilometers. That's a lot of kilometers. So, I mean, they're not saying you definitely can, but they're saying it's a big old peak and mm. you can probably see the ocean. Yeah. So that's going to be impressive. Uh, there's a peak in Arizona where people reckon you can see a Humphreys Peak and that's 187K. If you go to Munakia, where's it? Oh, in Hawaii. Oh, of course, Hawaii is going to be a bunch of like volcanoes with plenty of space in between. Mm. Someone reckons you can get 128K between two of those peaks. Mount Hood in Oregon. We've got a Concoaga has a line of sight to the ocean again. Oh, it's even taller. Oh, you know what? They reckon that one's 6,962 meters. Let's chuck that in the spreadsheet. That's going to give us 298K. So that's pretty much 300K. If you we can don't see have from there. visual proof of those, though. No. These are theories. Well, this is it. A lot of people are just throwing theories at me mm. saying, what about this peak? No one's bothered to go up these peaks and check. Or they have, but no one's decided to send us the proof. No one sent us the proof. Or they didn't make it back. We don't know. We're just, <laughs> we're not getting, to, until several, several people sent me the world record for longest distance in a photograph. Like the, the, the greatest distance away from something and still taking a photograph of it. And that is from Spain to France. Someone went up the Pyrenees in Spain, mountain range, looked at the Alps. That's a fair way away mm. over in France. And they took a photo of the Alps from Spain. <laughs> and there is a distance of 443 kilometers. Whoa. And what I love about that, because it's an actual photo, someone's done it. Yeah. The whole time I've been ignoring the refractive index of air. So actually, light will curve around the surface of the Earth. Mm. So you can actually see further than is theoretically possible because you don't actually need a straight line of sight. The light will, cur will do some of the work for you and curl down so you can see even further than the theoretical maximum. Is that, is that how that, um, you know, that ship... Uh, optical illusion yeah, where yeah. they look like they're floating because they look like they're sitting above the waterline. Exactly that, because the light is bending in the different density air as a, uh, above the water. It's why when the sun sets, you actually see it set slightly later. Like it's already set, but we can still see it. Wow. Because the light's... But, but then has it set? Like I think the Truth sun falling set. falling the forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I love about the photo is... It, all of that's taken into account because someone's actually taken the photo. Like light has gone from that mountain all the way across Europe into a camera. And we know 
they could see that mountain 443 kilometers away. Now, yeah. it actually says the Guinness World Record for longest line of sight. Like, arguably, if you Googled the question in the last episode, you would have been brought to this answer. Okay, there are two types of people in the world, Beck. People who just Google the answer. This guy. <laughs> and people who start from first principles with a spherical earth. You. Yes, and one of them would have got the correct answer a lot faster. <laughs> but we would have less podcast content. That's so, true. You would have missed out on all of our I lovely banter. I honestly can't believe if I just Googled. Like, what a cliche. If I just Googled Guinness World Record longest line of sight, I would have got the answer straight away. You would have got it. I can't. But anyway, I'm doing that from now on. No, they'd miss all of our lovely color and flavor. That's the nicest way anyone's ever put. Yeah. Me trying to do it from first principles and getting it wrong. By our, I mean mine. Yeah, it's so true. I wouldn't get to feel smug. Yeah, it's my... My top priority. Now, before anyone gets emotional saying, oh, but there was like a zoom lens or whatever, I don't care. This proves that you can see it. And if you want to do it by the naked eye, the mountain just has to be brighter. Like, or you put a really bright light on top of the mountain and maybe it's so bright to be visible by the naked eye. It's not feasible. I don't care. In theory. You make it massive. Make it massive. Exactly. Massive disco hat. You were so right. Put a massive disco believe. hat on the mountain. You were like double right. Oh, yeah, goodness. I am. That I make total sense all the time. <sighs> 443 kilometers is the answer. And yeah. frankly, is it my fault I didn't Google it? Or is it people sending questions into this podcast and not Googling them themselves before they send them in? That's true. If you're sending Let's us a split problem. The blame. Yeah. Yeah, I'm willing to give them that. I'm assuming if we get sent a problem, you've exhausted the just Google it option. That's true. Yeah. Why would you make us go through Exactly. The... I slam straight into assume the earth is a sphere and work my way up. Yeah, that's fair. So there you are. Yeah. 443K. I'm going to give you a solid ding now. Thank you. What's a solid ding sound like? Ding. That is a solid ding. And quick, any other business, we had a bunch of you respond on Twitter to share your tips for making writing more fun. Yep. Thank you very much. My favorite was use one of those pens that vibrates. Yes. That, that fits the bill. So if you want to see the suggestions that other people put, you can uh, just check out our Twitter account and see yeah. what people reply to. Writing would be more, more entertaining. And we have a ding in from Positronic Girl saying that your solution to how close can the human voice get to making a real ding sound was adequate. Yay! So has, Thank you, Beardy Man. It's been dinged. The ding is a meta ding. Meta ding. For anyone who hasn't listened to that episode yet, go back and listen to it. Yeah. Right. And I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, I have been Matt Parker, Beck Hill as always. Yes. It's been edited and produced by Lauren Armstrong Carter and supported by all you fantastic listeners and uh, Patreon backers. So thank you very much. We love you all equally. Yeah. Yeah. Especially you. Beck, have you got a card? What, on me? No, like in your mind. Pick a, pick a card. Okay. Uh, oh, there's so many. You got it? There's like 52 that I can choose from. Can I choose jokers? You cannot. Okay. You got it? Yes. Okay, next time I'll guess it. I've switched it now just <laughs> oh, in no, case. Oh, no, no. All right, I've got it. In fact, 
I'm going to message our producer, Lauren, <gasps> the card that I've thought of. That's such a good idea. So that I can't forget it. Do it. Okay. Keep that card in your mind and your sent messages. <laughs>